Hello. Hey. Hi, friend. How are you? It's good to talk to you. Feels oh. like it's been forever. Uh, it's always been forever. It's forever in a day. Mm, mm, wish mm, I could do mm. this. I wish we could do a morning zoo. Wish we could do this every day. Would you do a show every day, every morning, nope. nine a.m.? No question. No mm-hmm. or no question. Um, let me think about it. All right. No question. Cool. We tried that once with you. Look nice today, and it didn't go great. Well, that was them. This is us. That's right, Nessie Hinton. I, I'm, you know, I'm game. <laughs> you know what I would do? I would do it the same way we did it, which was we uh, we tried it for a few days. But the thing is, then aren't we going to get into talking about headlines and stuff? Like, or should we just kind of dick around? Can we just dick around every morning, you and me? Dick I think around? so. Yeah, that's what we call it. Dan and Merlin dick around. No, I like it's it. a morning zoo name. It needs something offensive as a name. Just Doesn't I'm tweaking it? your EQ a little bit right now. No, Why, what's different? I sound a little. Yeah, we sound a little better. So I'm backing things down a little bit. Is he using, using the Mackie? Mm, mm, mm. He has a Mackie? What are you eating? Mm. People don't like eating on the shows. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I might sneeze later, too. Mm. Mm. I thought of you this morning. When? Were you dressed? Mm. I'm, I'm always kind of dressed, <laughs> given, my, <laughs> given my sortorial preferences. Right, and your age. Yeah, I was thinking about it. Somebody posted a, a photo of a bunch of people at Tumblr, and, and they all looked so handsome. They all had like professional haircuts, and their shirts were tucked in. And I was thinking about how I shouldn't say this, but I, I was just thinking about how like what I wear to sleep in, and then what I wear to work in, and like what I wear to play with my daughter in are like really, really strikingly exactly the same thing. No, with the exception of yesterday, where I put on a bathrobe um, to be Anakin. I needed a place to put my lightsaber, so I had to have a, a sash. Is that a euphemism for something? That's not nice. That's not a nice thing to say. <laughs> yeah. I'll say that in front of R2. <laughs> Is it weird that, that he never... Does he recognize R2 when he's Darth Vader? Because he's really... He's pretty mean to R2, given their history. Doesn't that seem kind of weird? You would think he would have... I don't, I don't know. It's kind of... It, that, that was a valid question to ask, I think. Well... I have a feeling somebody will have an answer, but I would weird. say like, no. I would say no, or he doesn't seem to care. That like, would you recognize? You know, like that we we both have the same coffee maker, right? You might yeah. just assume that that's just one of those coffee makers that everybody has. I don't think that's how it works. I think it I don't is. Think it's how it works. I think R four looks extremely different. R six. When my daughter sees R six now in in a book, she hits him because she's so envious of the way R six. And then R six was a saboteur. Did I tell you we're watching Clone Wars now? Watching Clone Wars now. Yeah. No, but, but if, you, if you remember, there's that scene, yeah. and I don't remember which of the newer three movies it was in, but in one of them, R2, uh, the R2 we know, R2-D2, is uh, one of many R2 units, not just, yeah. you know, R2-D4s, but like uh, very similar to what his style is in the little dome head instead of the sort of conical head. There's mm-hmm. lots of them. There's a whole bunch of them. Some are gold, some are silver. They're just, they're a dime mm-hmm. a dozen. They're, you yeah, know, that's right. they're throwaways. There's a, there's a lot of R2 uh, astromech droids, to be sure. And what I did not know is that some are a little taller than R2. So he might have like a complex. But R2, you know, they never, uh, Anakin's mistake, I got to say from a security, a Bruce Nair kind of standpoint, he never wiped the drive, if you know what I mean, on R2. And no, just C-3PO. That's right. And that's why the guy takes him out park as General Grievous wants the plans. Anyway, I wear pretty much the same thing. Um, why I is that? Through, uh, because I have so much to do. 
That's come no, on. No, I'm just lazy. But then sometimes I think, you know, I I think I feel like I'm a better person if I if I put on pants that don't have holes in them and uh, a shirt that I tuck in. I, I feel better. I carry myself. A little, I've seen uh, pictures of you, and the pictures that I see, you always look you always look fine. You look presentable. You look normal. You look like a regular person mostly. What do you mean? You don't mean that. Not a regular Joe. I mean, you look like I look like, you, I look, I look like somebody who leads meetings at a halfway house. Like it's better. But it's not going great. No, what, I would say you're. Yeah, you're more like you're more like a support counselor mm-hmm. who they've been reformed. They maybe aren't using anymore, but they're right on the edge. Every day, every day is a challenge. You know, one day at a time. That's what we say at the temple. <laughs> mm, we saved a lot of younglings the other day. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> younglings. <laughs> We're very upset about the younglings. Look at this. There's an email from mm. you with an attachment. I bet I get you an attachment. You can talk about half of that attachment. Yes, I understand what you. Well, you can. You can talk about both if you want. I think no. There's only half needs. No monospace font should cost that much. I paid it with my own money. No, I I I just want to try it out. That's all. That's called an evaluation copy. M plus one M. Now that one's a freebie. Yeah, I'm going to try this Mm -hmm. one first since it. M Um, plus one M. Tucking the shirt in. Oh, I thought of you this morning, though, because uh, they have this really... Uh, you use uh, this font? That's my go-to font, dude. Uh. You don't like it. I mean, people don't like it. Everybody's all, I should think BB Edit with my Monaco 7 or whatever. I'm like, fine, whatever. I like that font. It's weird looking, but I like it. It's tall. It's narrow. I'm not a programmer, as you know. All my work is in Assembly Assembler. And so back then, all we had, we didn't have monospace fonts. We had nanospace fonts. They were so small, and we could only afford... Uh, the first part of the character set in the in the unisex unisex uh, UTF uh, UTS eight is what we used. We were on UTF two for a long time, which is in base two. That is that is a kind of type font that for a long time I I had a small role as you know in the air traffic control system, which is written in Fivetran and uh, and sixty four K. We did that all. We did that all literally literally on one chip nut. And I wouldn't even know where it is. Is that the same thing they used to launch a shuttle up? That's right. That's why planes can't land. First time they did it, you know, the first time they put one of those on top of a plane, the shuttle, it was basically a glider. But you know, it's just basically a glider. They just wanted to see what would happen. It still is a glider, really. Hmm. It glides all the way down. So they do this thing on KQED, which is, uh, according to them, in their seemingly endless marathons of asking for money, one eight hundred. Oh God! Over and over. Today they have they have the commentaries where people come in. These commentaries. It's always a writer from Marin. Mm. I think it's a mostly a writer who like puts things on Etsy and you know. And uh, they had a commentary today about celiac disease, and I thought of you because it was all about celiac disease. And the, and this person talked to, she talked about her journey with the celiac disease twenty years ago before they had an internet where you could find out about celiac disease mm-hmm. and how everything changed when she took out the glutens. Hmm. And then they did what they always do at the end. They said, uh, uh, whatever, uh, <sighs> Mara McHippie Pants is a writer in Potter in Marin County. Uh, if you'd like to comment on, on her commentary on celiac disease, please visit our page and, and click on her comment. Right. So I haven't checked in. There might, have, there might be some very lively discussion of celiac disease. But you don't want that if you can avoid it. Now, you don't have any of the actual gut problems, right? You're just doing this. You're just doing this because you're a good person. Well, I, I, I don't know. I think 
I think everybody has a certain, no, I'm happy to talk about it. I think everybody has a certain degree of problems relating to that. And we should, we should talk about mine someday. Yeah, I would like to tell you the truth. Well, I don't know if we have gross. enough time. Pretty gross. That should be for the morning zoo show because it's pretty gross. But uh, Merlin in the morning. No, you didn't. Did he say that? We're gonna have a whole bunch of. We're gonna have a whole soundboard queued up. You kidding me? But don't. But you know, it's it is funny how cutting out the gluten's and and then commenting on it can actually help quite a lot. Anyway, I'm having a I'm having a berry crumble. Uh, from uh, Brownell, Brownell Coffee between twenty uh, first and twenty second on Terraval. I think it's the way I remember the number now. It's one one three one Terraval. What's uh, they call that a uh, uh, background number? Curtis got three ones and a three. Got three ones and one three. That's what they call way Homer. How you doing? I feel you excited okay. about feel South by good. Southwest. You excited? Oh yeah, it's as excited as you can imagine. Mm, 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 mm. I'm actually contemplating using my press pass and going. We got a press pass? Oh, yeah. We're a legitimate operation here. It's all above board. God. I, this year they were giving out press passes like free Red Bull. There were all kinds of people in the press room where I was like, are you sure? That, there's a lot of blog spot going on in there. But you're not going. So everybody who uh, was going to see you, they, they should know you're not going. Why would, I, why would anyone have the impression that, that they would see me there? Because this, you're sort of the poster child for South by Southwest. Having been there twice... Only twice. Long, long after people agreed that it was a good idea to go to South by Southwest. I've been there twice. Went there once with a uh, one-year-old. That was a hell of a thing. And was it yours? The hotel room was kind of dirty. <laughs> Which one did you stay in? I don't know. <laughs> you don't Just know? Just for what it's worth. Uh, our friend, uh, friend D-Sparks, Max Sparky, uh, he has dubbed, uh, what does he call it? Um, the thing I announced a couple shows ago. Oh, that you new know? conference, that thing you're no. doing. No, it's called when you when you when you assume that everything in a hotel room has been in somebody's butt. It's now known as man's assumption. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. To oh, that's awesome. That's pretty sticky. You know what I mean? Especially if you don't wipe it clean. That's wow. Man's assumption. You know, you touch that lamp. Think about it. There's all kind of, that lamp has not always been standing up. You could turn it on its side. <laughs> mint on the pillow literally don't get me started how have you been you had a good week we have, it feels like we haven't talked in huge it feels days. like it's been forever hmm i listened to your other programs you never you sound so this excited much. i'm not this excited on the other ones i don't believe that it's true hmm. i didn't say this was my favorite i just said i'm not as excited neither did i hmm <laughs> hmm uh, syracuse has got it down to 90 minutes now that guy's that guy's a uh, regular speedy gonzalez i know that's what his <laughs> he, wife he, says hello <laughs> Crassachusetts. <laughs> oh, so, what do you what have you been doing with yourself? <clears throat> Looked at some office space, a lot of it. No kidding, you're still still uh, on the on the search for that, and that's our topic for today: office okay. space in Austin. <laughs> that's a great idea. Yeah, I would have to guess that there is office space in Austin. There is some. Want to wrap this up? Button it up. Yeah, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man. It's hard though, isn't it? It's it's like looking when we look. You know, there's a time where we were like, "Oh, our rent's too high. We should look around." And my wife, I don't know, she's lived here for something like 21 years or something. And in she's in hopeless, SF, yeah, she's hopelessly, weirdly optimistic for somebody who's as smart as she is. Because you show you show up there and you're like, <laughs> there were definitely a lot of cats that used to live here, and I pray <laughs> that at some point there was a person here. But you know what I mean? You go, oh, it's it's only nineteen hundred dollars a month for this one bedroom, and you go in there and it's like. 
It, it's like a litter box with windows. Maybe. Now, do you get a lot of litter boxes in Austin in the office space search? <laughs> uh, I have to enter that into the show bot mm-hmm. as a title. Uh, I, like, I like the clumping kind. When I had a cat, we got the clumping kind. Changed everything. Flushable? Everything. You think that's safe? Our landlord, no. our landlord would flip if we put cat poop in and stuff. He, he, he doesn't even like, I don't think he even likes poo-poo going down there. Hey, you got to be careful. Everything you put in the toilet gets it off the toilet. Because he's the lucky charms guy. Um, nice guy. And uh, you struggled for a while because it sounded like you never got, I don't want to tell you this is your gig, but it seems to me that you, there was always something that was wrong. They were almost, as with the house situation you're going through, oh. they, they were almost all costly given the quality. And you were having trouble because it was either co-working space where there were going to be a bunch of people listening to techno and throwing a ball around for their startup that would never ship. Or... Uh, it was going to be not safe. Your equipment would not be safe. True, right? You, you, you struggled with these things. Have you seen anything promising now? No, not so much. I mean, it, the same problems are still there. And this is this is the one thing that's tricky about office. Now, not everybody. I don't think I don't think that this problem is as bad in San Francisco because when I used to work for a startup there, they were always like going from one little office space to another and expanding, and then they'd lay people off and then go to a smaller space. But it seemed like you could get, you could get space really easily there in a variety of like you you have a personal private office and you were able to to get that and they don't even mind that you're in there singing and like playing guitar and free basing or whatever mm-hmm. and you can do that you know pretty easily find a good space and it's convenient to you I think I think here the problem is like even for a small space even if it's like under a thousand square feet. Yeah, they want like a three to five year term. And I mean, all of this, all of this stuff that now I'm paying $3,000 a month for exactly the same thing that I have in my house, except without mm-hmm. children running around in it. And by the way, I took, I took my boy with me to see the space today. It was great. I just let him loose in one room and he just was running, like going crazy in there. It was great. That's not a bad idea. That's how I, I test mean, that- the space out if, if it can... You'll find their tolerance for noise pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> what about your kitties? You bring your kitties with you? What kitties? Don't you, you're not going to bring your kitties? What is a kitty? Kitty? K-I-D-D-I-E? Kitty? You got to watch out for the cat people. Can oh, cats. Just... No, I don't have any cats. Okay. That, that's the worst. No, and they're not clean. Okay, Almost as bad as a dog. To, I'm just going to say here's two things. All right. Two things to watch for. People with lots of cats and people who are into quote unquote scrapbooking. Scrapbooking <laughs> is cover, my friend. Do you know that? What is that? That's the thing that like retired women do. Or like expectant moms. It's it's, it's what hoarders do. Is it really? Yes. Have you ever met anybody who does scrapbooking whose house is not completely upside down? No. I need to keep that family circle from 1985 because it has a picture of Joan Collins in it that I can use in this quilt. Like, okay, great. What about, what about all the kitty poop? Anyway, enough about cats and poop. That's a lot. Of, that's a lot of poop talk for one day, Dan. I, know. I hope that goes well for you. It seems like I think if like know, you're, if you're if you're a woman, it's called mm-hmm. scrapbooking. If you're a man, it, you're called John Nash. Right. When a man does it, it's aggressive. <laughs> um, and so you've made your peace with this. You're a gentleman for so long. We couldn't even talk about you doing this crazy move you were doing and all the nonsense you went through. I don't yeah. know if you fully documented for no. people like what you really went through with that. No. Because it was painful, even from a distance. But I'm, I'm here to 
bring joy to people. I'm not here to bring them down with the details of Guess my life. question. If we do a morning zoo show, can Go we ahead, talk caller. about like, okay, thank you. Uh, first time zooer. Can we, <laughs> can we talk about uh, like air conditioning lady at some point on, on our morning zoo yeah, show? Yeah, I think it should just be called the zoo. Das zoo. Das zoo. Oh, I like that. Make it international. <laughs> okay, it could, it could be zoo-related. I See, I, I had ideas. Well, I had that fives at one time. It was uh, five terrible fake morning zoo teams, and one of them was called like Skirtbot in the Monkey Cage or something like that. Because <laughs> they always have those silly names, don't they? <laughs> and there's right? your train. Sorry. Every time it's... the train goes, you take a shot. That's part of the morning zoo. <laughs> yeah, a lot of scrapbooking. It's hard now, you've, because you're a gentleman, you'll never talk about this. How far in are we? Oh, Jesus. 16, um, 16, nothing. 1634. Um, I think that was the year the Magna Carta was signed. <laughs> um, I'm just kidding. 1512. The, um, uh, back in the stack, back in the stack, back in the stack. And so, have you made your, you know what you shouldn't say? I'm curious if you've made your peace with, with the home thing. Because we talked about this back in like episode, what, like episode 500 or something a long time ago about how hard it is to make that split, right? To do, if you're, if you're doing the working at home thing, how to make those, what did I say? I think it's something like, you know, the walls are like ice cubes, you know, <laughs> when you work at home, they're almost meaningless to have yeah. those walls. Right. Now, how, how do you do that? Do you, do you get, do you have a kennel or, uh, or some kind of like a, like a leash? Like, how do you, how do you keep that separated? How do you, how do you keep your son from bursting into the room and stuff like that? See, that part's easy. The hard part is, is well, I'll, I'll answer that, but let me add something to it first. And I'll, okay. I'll tell you why doing this kind of work. And, you know, I realize that most of the listeners to this show don't even know that this is part of a network. To them, 5 by 5 is a, just a domain where they get this show. But I do other shows. This is what I, I do for a living. Think no, that, it's true. Well, you I do this for shows, but I don't think that's accurate, Dan Benjamin. I, I do this for a living. So this is what I do. I record every, almost every day, usually multiple shows a day. And I do this for the sex. You you just do this because you love I it. Nothing, I live literally. You do it because you love it. Yeah, it is good crumble. And but I like I, I like it too. It's a network. There's a lot of work that goes into it, but a lot of the time I'm recording here. You know, it, it's not fair to my four year old son and now my almost six month old uh, baby girl to basically require them to be quiet and almost silent for hours at a time while I record shows. It's unreasonable for me to expect that kids could do that. They do it pretty good. They do it pretty good, but it's unreasonable. And at the same time, it's a huge challenge when they're not quiet for me to be able to record at all. Uh, so one of the reasons that I am not doing some of the shows I'd like to be able to do is because I can't make, I can't make it work that way. So that's the big problem. That's the reason for me. What is not the big challenge is, uh, is is the actual like back when I, I used to do mainly software development or other things like that from my home office that I was able to do that pretty well and I think I think because I was doing that from the time that he was born that he's always understood that like when I go in here that I'm working if the door's shut mm-hmm. don't 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 knock don't come in and he, he's very very good about that um so that that's actually really? not I mean, been a problem. You, seriously, yeah, huh? No, wow. he never. If the door's shut, he doesn't even. It might as well not even be a door. He doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> now that doesn't mean he's being quiet out there. That doesn't mean he's like you know not get, tearing the house up. A different kid, because I I can't order pizza over the phone. Right, I mean, but but if you had a, if you were if you were working from I bet if you were working from home every day, 
and you mm-hmm. you ate breakfast with your family, whatever, and then you went in there and you shut the door. And after a week of potential challenge where there would be a lot of knocking and stuff, if you just never answered and your wife was supportive and saying, hey, don't don't bother your father, uh, got it, got he'll it, hulk yeah. out, then, yeah. you I, know, I that, eventually... I do, that, I do that with drinking, and she has just as much reason to fear. If you hear daddy <laughs> being quiet, you know you need to stay away. That's right. You know what? You got a problem? Go talk to Phineas and Ferb. You can set that up so they just keep playing and playing. The second one you sent isn't so bad. The, the first one's the, too tall and skinny, but the second one's a little better. The expensive one or the free one? Expensive one. Uh, should we talk about what we're talking about? Nah. Okay. Uh, I sent Dan uh, two monospace fonts that I like that are very unconventional. And, uh, oh, man, we, you know, I used to think we lose the ladies. We lose the guys, too, when we talk about this stuff. But maybe just in brief. I, All right. Uh, see, this is going to be one of those things like the toaster. Like, it's just going to go on and be a thing. Luckily... Most most of those these tragic figures that you have these podcasts with all do the same thing. Eh, Monaco Nine. No, I haven't finished those errands. Uh, that's what. Like, uh, <laughs> can you believe he uses Monaco Nine? I can't, I, man. I, I can't see the I can't see the screen anymore. I mean, like when I'm <laughs> so there, like, how is he? How does he? And he's got vision problems, and he's still Monaco Nine. And he's and does, doesn't he have like a Darth Vader robot arms? He's yes. got all kinds of uh, repetitive robot injuries. Yeah, he can't. He's typing using a uh, a spoon connected to his ear. I heard he has an assistive stick device that he has to use. <laughs> he talks to the stick, right? <laughs> it's got some uh, slashes and backslashes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but don't, he and Groups both use, uh, aren't they both big on the Monaco 9, Monaco 10? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I showed you this one time a really long time ago. Um, I put up, I'm happy to put it up again. Maybe I'll put it on Pasty. But I've got a, I, you know, I, I did my shake and bake, like what my textmate looks like, which hasn't changed too much. You guys were talking about this a lot on TTS one day. And so I threw up a little demo of like what my thing looks like and what my theme is in TextMate and what yeah. type faces i use so i'd be happy to share that if yeah you let's get that in that. there okay if you ever do that as a cross share thing i'd be happy to do that i think i put on the pasty um but i i used to oh god this is boring and i did have a topic so uh, let's do a quick trade here on what we do okay you're still in the text mate right yeah okay this will be more easier to do visually later so what i do right now my basic setup i do sunburst is my theme Ooh. i go i go back and forth between sunburst and twilight I've, you know what, my friend, uh, my friend Ethan Schoonover, who's probably one of the best people ever. He did a really, if you like this kind of thing, he did a great, like cross. He did a theme. What do you call it? A theme or a, what do you call that? A, you know, like I don't you know, know what, what I mean? you're like going to say yet. Okay, like Zenburn esque or one of those. Yeah, I call them are, themes. Okay, so the idea behind a theme is that somebody has intelligently gone in and oh, here comes the notes, but somebody has gone in and said, okay, in this case, a comment. Constant entity keyword storage string support variable, et cetera, et cetera, for anything that could be within a certain kind of scope in something, whether it's Vim or whether it's, in this case, TextMate, you can have it look a certain way. Like there are some people, uh, like who? Like, um, like Thomas, a lot, what's his name? Um, oh, I'm forgetting his name. Like he, he puts out, you know, Dan, I think. Somebody yelled at me for saying I was having a stroke. I apologize. Uh, I'm not going to talk about medical conditions anymore. Anyway, I'm going to have a celiac disease if I don't remember his name. Subtle Gradient. Subtle Gradient. Hey, Subtle Gradient. Thomas, I believe. He likes these ones where like there's very, very, very little contrast. Now, some people like extremely little contrast, whether that's in a light background or a dark background. Um, 
I don't love that. I like a dark background. I usually go like, you know, black or near black, non-transparent. So the themes that I like are things like Sunburst and so on. Now, Ethan did a really nice thing called Solarized. He's done Solarized Dark and Solarized Light. Now, I can really recommend those to people if you're looking for a subtle, cool thing. If you go, 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 go. You don't like those? Well, I like them theoretically, but they don't work for me over time. So go to DuckDuckGo or wherever your new hipster engine is for Solarized. (laughs) It's so, uh, Ethan Schoonover.com. It'll be in the show. It'll be in the show. Okay. And what's he famous for? These themes. Ethan is famous for uh, cobbling together a giant-ass pile of Apple scripts to make something called Kinkless GTD. That was the precursor to OmniFocus. Huh. And so uh, I was a early uh, and early uh, fan of that. Skinner, he, uh, Ethan Skinner was a great guy. He's a professional photographer who's also a really interesting nerd. So check out Solarized if you're interested in a... Because he did something involving the color wheel and a certain very satisfying balance. But like I say, I go between... God, this is boring. I'm so sorry. Sunburst. I've got a ton, too. I went to... Was it Christina Warren? Somebody... Is yeah, Christina, she she did like a whole thing, and like, she's got a GitHub repository yes. with all of them in there. She's got a GitHub repository. It's pretty old, but you can go and get. I got that from her GitHub, and it's got a, a ton of these different ones. I mean, you know me. I would say don't spend a month trying all of these, but try one that works. I've tweaked some. Fletcher made one for multi markdown that I'm not crazy about. Mm. Fletcher's got real different taste in how things look than I do, even though he's kind of my hero. Zen Burnesque is pretty. Zen Burnesque, I think, got hot on, was it for Rails? Like, Rails people seem to like a really different theme than a lot of people. Hmm. Is that fair to say? Probably. I guess it seems like the Rails ones, and there is one just for Rails. So, so one of the things with these themes is it depends on, some people do much more tricked out themes that will cover lots more instances of what you or I use. So for me, a lot of the themes that are out there don't have elements that, correctly or successfully cover all the things, for example, in Markdown. Almost everything I do in Markdown, except when I made that joke the other day on Twitter about Twitter bios, and I had to go in and actually write. (laughs) This is how I spend my day. I went and tested. I wrote an actual bash script to see if what I wrote would work, and it worked. Did you see that the other day? I I wrote a function called Twitter bio. No, I didn't. Oh, yeah. I actually wrote a bash script and ran it, and it worked. my gosh. Function Twitter bio, dollar sign real job noun, comma, dollar sign aspirational job noun, and so on. It's pretty funny. It's like five people. Um, but for example, if you go, there's tons of these. Sunburst. That work great. Yeah. There's tons of these that work great with HTML. And there are tons of these that work great for Rails. Because again, that's, it's like how WordPress got all those great themes because there were so many people developing for it. But what I do is Twilight. I do this font. Uh, excuse me. Taunt, they call it a font. What you call it? A font or a typeface? I, like, plus, I think font is fine. Uh, ask, uh, ask, ask, ask Squidward and uh, Groobs because they're very picky about that. I think I know. Gro- I'm pretty sure Groobs is a, a a a font is an instance of a type typeface for use on a computer. Mm-hmm. I believe. So, I use M plus one regular seventeen point because I am forty five years old. Um, and I try different. Sometimes I try different um, themes just to you know kind of check them out, but. <laughs> I got into a mini argument, not an argument, a heated discussion with some guy the other day. Uh, nice guy, <laughs> comma, uh, who's about as close to an actual Apple fanboy as anybody I've ever met. Like, hilariously funny guy. And he tried to make a case to me that the taste of the American public has gotten better because of Apple. And I suggested that he 
square that against two things. One would be cable TV reality shows, and, and the other would be the most popular skins for Firefox. Mm. Have you ever gone in and looked at like the themes and skins you can get for Firefox? Yeah, and they all look really strange to me, and none none of them look usable or like something. I think the that I... phrase you're struggling, the word you're struggling for, is heinous. Yeah, that's right, heinous. It's uh, like what was the thing you used to be able to run on OS nine? I, I forget the name all the time. Remember the thing where you, I know you know the name of this, where you could change the theme of the way the Finder looked. It was a really yeah. I don't Apple know the did name a of version the of it, but there's another hacky one. There's one where you can make it look like steampunk, like all of your windows had inexplicable brass pipes around them and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You know that that's that's the funny thing is like the taste of somebody, and, and I don't want to get into a whole Gruber thing here, but like when you I want to somebody shows me an Android phone and they go see how beautiful it is, I'm like wow that looks so much better, but it's still so weird. The the color palette. It reminds me, it's like I, when I was first, um, when Windows first started picking up in popularity and I'd look at that against System 6 or System 7 or whatever, I'd be like, I don't know how you look at this all day. What, what, what bit, 8-bit, 16-bit, whatever the original like colors were on Windows, it seems so garish to me. And now like, I really love the subtlety of Apple's stuff. So it really sticks out to me just because of my taste and what I look at all day. And I am getting to a pseudo productivity point about this in a second. But um, I th- you've got to find like what fits your taste. So if your taste is you're in troglodyte mode all day and you want it to look like a command line, like there's plenty of these. And you know, I got to tell you, I mean, as much as a you know fake nerd as I am, I, I am really comforted in um, the the shell by. A pretty simple color scheme that's pretty much that one color of green on that one color of black <laughs> and variations on that. Um, and I've, I've played with my bash prompt and my color profile and all that stuff. But I think the bottom line on all of this stuff is it should be whatever works for you and how you work. Now, why should that matter? Well, you know, if you're somebody uh, who, let's say in every, in every like understandable, reasonable sense, like it, it, it feels better writing in what you might call a distraction-free environment, well... Personally, I'm the same way. Like, I want to write in something with a black background and, like, simple text. You know what I mean? Like, I write a lot in ByWord. I write a lot in TextMate. On my phone, um, did you listen to Mac Power Users, the last one, with Colleen, with Communicatrix? Oh, I haven't listened to that one yet. Oh, it's really good. She's so the best. I just love her. I just, I just like her as a human. But she was talking about how, like, she she writes in, uh, like, Mars Edit sometimes because she wants something really simple. Mm. I had this quote I put on the Twitter that she said. It was something like, I'm sorry. Isn't it sad that I have to go type on this dumb keyboard because I'm going to quote myself quoting somebody else? Something really tragic about that. But what Colleen said like summarizes a lot of my own beliefs about just stuff in general. Anything that I can type into is a chance to start writing. And that pretty much summarizes like everything you need to know about writing as far as I'm concerned. She does not like to type on her phone. I think, I think David and Katie drove to the net a little hard on this. Because I think what she was trying to say was she, I, my sense was she sees her phone as a place where she's not going to write, you know, it, almost like a vacation from writing. It's uh-huh. like, same way I use my iPad. Like David, David's all, you know, super fruity about using his iPad for all of this writing stuff. I, it, that drives me nuts. I'd actually rather write on my phone. And when I write on my phone, it's usually in nebulous notes where I have my own theme that I'd be happy to share with people. Um, that's very much just green letters on a black background. So that's what I like. And I, and I like, I like just enough. Well, for example, like in ByWord, one thing I love in ByWord is, I don't know how much you use it, but I really like it. And one of the things I like is that you write in Markdown, but all of the, what would you call it? What do you, what do you not attributes or elements, but all the stuff that's not your writing recedes into the background, 
right? So, so like in my byword, uh, and I like I say, I mean, this is just a really sensible writing environment to me. So if I type, if I type in, you know, Markdown, you got a one octothorpe for an H1, and so forth. You know what I'm talking about? I sure do. Okay, I know you. You, you, you are, are you fronting or do you you actually do use? No, I do. Oh, right. Okay, so I just typed a bunch of stuff. HHR. Um. So the octothorpes recede. Like in my case, the the f- everything that I'm typing is in that font that I like, that M plus one, and it's a really it's a bright uh, white. It's probably you know FFF. Um, slightly bold. I use medium for that. But what's cool is like the octothorpes for the H1s, the asterisks for the ULs, the numerals for the OLs all are like what I would guess to be, I get them mixed up, 666 or 999 probably, right? They're, they recede into this black background. So all you really see is your words. Um, the five asterisks that I just typed for an HR I apologize. <laughs> this, if you smell burning toast right now, this probably makes no sense. <clears throat> I like to this receipt because I just want to see my words. Now, if I'm doing anything with serious markdown or HTML, I like the idea that elements I don't need to pop out at me will recede. Do you know what I mean? Like I do, I'm sitting yeah. here, I'm sitting here in um, with bash language on for the little joke I made, and um, you know, like the environmental. What do I call it? The environment. The 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 ba- they call it the bang. The thing at the top. Yeah, like bang. that that recedes into like, a, a, you know, I don't need to see that jumping out at me all the time, but everything that's a endoscope, you know, like a dollar sign thing, like a variable <laughs> is like this pretty blue color. So I can see that function is yellow The you know, function, the, the word, uh, the name of the function is in this pretty orange. So why would you want all that? Well, cause you can scan down the page and quickly see all of these things that, you know, you might want to jump to. And the thing everybody loves in TextMate, you're a big fan of Command-T, right? I don't know how people live without that kind of functionality. See, that's a funny one that I know I need to get more into. Well, you know, I think if, if, you're, if you're only dealing with, like, five files at a time, you don't need it. But in, but in Rails, it's got to be. Yeah, in Rails, there's, so, there's like 3,000 files just to right. do a Hello World. And that just spits out. So when you set up a new project... <clears throat> what you call it? Well, Rails is a framework, right? It's just, yeah. it's, uh, here's all the stuff you might need. And increasingly, with all the HTML5 stuff that people do, again, like every week, there's just all these new amazing things that come out that just spit out. Like, okay, here you go. Here's everything you need already set up. And it goes and makes a folder for your image assets, a folder for your CSS, right? And so in your case, what Command-T in uh, TextMate is find file. Is that right? Yeah, so, more, more or less. It's different than a traditional find because you, you hit Command-T and then you start typing. Incremental and, search. Yeah, and as, you're, as you type some or all of the name of the file that you think you want, it starts finding matches. So it's, and it doesn't require perfect punctuation and you can type yeah. characters and it's, it's pretty smart about how it finds the file. So that that way you find the one, then you hit the down arrow and you find the, you choose the one from the list that it came up with of files that it was looking for. And then you mm-hmm. hit return and it's opened up in your, uh, in your project. Here's a, here's, here's a very, 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 very small Venn diagram I'm going to introduce, <clears throat> or I guess I should say a Venn diagram with a very small amount of overflow. Uh, people who use TextMate and uh, people who don't know this trick, <laughs> go grab a handful of files or a folder and drop all of them onto the icon for TextMate. I know you know this. And that will pop up um, what, what could become a new project. Basically what you get, <clears throat> you, do you keep your thing on the left or the right? Left has to be. Me too. You know, you know how to change that? 
You yeah, know, the easy yeah. way to change that. You take it up to the edge. You know that trick? You can do it that way, but I thought there was a preference if you're using the missing drawer or something. There is. You can do it missing drawer, and I think Dr. Drang, missing drawer. Dr. Drang has a new thing that makes it bigger in the left rail. Hello, old guys like me. But <clears throat> once you've got in here, I just grab 10 files and put them in here, and so now on my left rail, I get these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven files. If I click on any one of them, they open up on the right. Again, BB Edit has a great version of this now. It's come so far. What's cool though is I can hit Command T and it says go to file. And I just start typing. And it incrementally, I have to type a word instead of SDF, I guess. And it incrementally finds it in there in much the same way that NV Alt would. Uh, huge time saver. Now, you know, I'm a big fan of is the go to symbol. Do you use that much? You probably don't need that. I use it some. I, I know why. Uh, I don't. I'm maybe less than most. Out of this, people. the heck out of this. Now, this is not as great in Markdown as it would be in something like Rails, because now what counts as a symbol in Rails? Like, okay, so for example, ugh, this is going to be so meaningless to anybody. Well, if I'm inside of a Markdown document which has things like H1s, H2s, H3s, and so on, I hit Command Shift T, and whatever uh, buffer file text thing I'm in, I get a thing that pop up on the right called Go to Symbol, and I can see the structure of my document just by H1s, H2s, and H3s, which is so handy. So if you've got a long document, if you're writing a book or a chapter of a book and you've got subsections, you can very easily just go and click on any one of those if you're a GUI type person and it jumps you straight, puts the cursor right at the beginning of the first line of where you went. Um, and now they've added marks in TextMate 2. Is that right? I'm still not really using TextMate 2. It's Can you explain too, marks? too wonky. I don't know. I don't know what it means in that context. Marks. Well, we should get Gruber or uh, get um, maybe uh, JSTOR to talk about it because it's really interesting. But well, so what's the point of all of this is that uh, we just describe so much stuff that's just like an alphabet soup of letters. And yet, like I, reason I'm having trouble describing this quickly to you is because I use this effing all day long. I use and use and use and use this. Um, it, it would sound fiddly to anybody else because like, I'm like Johnny No Fiddling, right? But like this is so inside of my fingers because of my years of spending time inside this one app. I got to tell you, like I, I, I'm maybe no Dr. Drang. I'm certainly no Brett Terpstra. God, do it. Okay, um, but I really know how to do a lot of stuff in this app. I pick the theme that I like. I right. change it if I need to. I do grab bundles sometimes <clears throat> just to try new things. I'm just always looking for new bundles. Like I've really gotten into this thing called Calipin. Have you seen Calipin.com? I'm going to look at it now. C-A-L-I-P? It's, it's a, a, what's the one where you mix the letters up? It's a mixed up letter version of, uh, what do you call that? Would you mix an anagram of uh, Pelican, which is the software that it runs on? Go to calipin.com. And basically, it's, it's sort of like a, a super sexy bloxum where you just throw a bunch of .md files on Dropbox. And by using multi-markdown style uh, headings, title colon equals date Do you mean clonopin? No, a clonazepam? Yeah. I'm not familiar, I'm not familiar with it. Um, How do you spell this thing you're talking about? <laughs> I love clonopin. C-A-L-E. P I N. Calipin. Uh, yeah. So go to Calipin. It is used alone or in combination with other medications to control certain types of seizures. Well, it's going to Safari can't find the server error right here. Oh, sorry. 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 Calipin. I'm going to put in a robot for you. I'll send you. Let's go. So there's Calipin.co. What is Co? I love the Co. What is Co? It's a company. Company. What's Com? Company. Oh, 
sorry, com. As you like to say, company. Right. Compon- this is really embarrassing. <laughs> as, but as you say, company. So embarrassing. But mine Publishing is all- for writers who love Markdown and Dropbox. Step one, sign up. Step two, configure. Step three, publish. The only thing that's a little janky about it now is you do have to manually hit a thing uh, to make it go. There's my Calipin, and it's really stupid because it's all Hello World. But you get the idea. So here's what you do. You throw a bunch of... Boy, we're all over the map, Dan, and I had a topic. Crap. You throw... Uh, so you've got a folder... Uh, you know, when you do app stuff on Dropbox, you get Dropbox slash app slash deedly deed. That's a technical term. So you throw any .md file in there with the well-formed uh, multi-markdown format, and you got a blogging engine. You're good to go. There's a little .conf type file where you can change it. I am so into this. Uh, it ain't going to be no replacement for Squarespace for me anytime soon, but it's, uh, it's so fun and easy to use, and it takes me... When my friends and I were talking about making a version of what would eventually become Tumblr... When we wanted to make an easy Tumblog site, we were thinking about basing it on Bloxum. Do you remember Bloxum back in the day? Yes. Real Dornfest did this thing where basically you just had a bunch of plain text files that would turn into a, uh, you know, a website. And so, so did you go to mine? Did I go to yours? Where you, where you put the link? Oh, it's, sorry. It's in the robot. Go to merlin.calipin.co. And it's just all nonsense. But for example, <laughs> go, to code, go to code highlight test. Okay. How cool is that? Nice. Are you getting what's happening here? I totally am. Okay. So go to code, highlight, is it? It's nice. There's a, there's a way that you can see the source, source text, a la Gruber's deal, um, which is to go to, I want to say dot, got to go to the guide here. Um, but again, you know, we're always going on and on about How come I can't those. click on the John Cryer? Isn't that hilarious? Yeah. Can you, can you believe that? My iPhone thought I was John Cryer. You know that <laughs> Do you, do, you do you understand what that does to a man of my age? You wake, you wake up one day, you open your iPhoto, it finds a picture of you looking real nice for a talk. <laughs> well, you've got a very strange look on your face in that picture. Well, so does John Cryer. I call him Ducky. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that awful? Isn't that awful? I like how just the little edge of your iPhone is... Do you know about the pigments <laughs> library, though? That, this is using this thing called pigments. Isn't that badass? Yeah, it's good. But don't you? No, wait. No, okay. Oh, on. I'm, you got to see this. We're, we're, <laughs> I'm just we're gonna, looking at the picture. We're going to throw this whole episode out. So yeah. Don't we'll ring. start but, over. Well, the real show will begin later. But there's a way. I forget how. Where you go in and you can see the code. <laughs> it's weird. The actual thing. Pelican. Um, you heard of that pigments though? You ever seen that before? Pigments is a library that yeah, lets I've you heard go. Of pigments. But it goes in. But okay. So here's the thing, Dan. Are you getting this? Did you go and look at my code highlighting dealy? Yeah, I looked at it. Looked right okay. at it. Okay. Okay, but I did not have to identify. I don't understand how this works. This is this is black magic, Dan. Well, we've been not, did, they've been doing this on Pasty and GitHub. Just uh, that GitHub. Dude, They're dude, doing do that understand? for years. All right. All right. I understand. You t- you type in something. You don't tell it that. Oh, this is going to be JSON code, or this is going to be CSS or Python. It just figures it out based on the way it looks. I get it. Terpsis thing does that now. Yeah, I bet. Boy, that is an app that's moving fast. Yeah, Where seriously. should we get a hook back into this? Um, Markdown. Um, well, let me talk about a couple quick things. So I also want to hear your setup. Let me go throw... You know what? I'll throw this up on the... Uh, I put this on my Tumblr once before. Yeah, throw I'll show it up. That. Well, if you go back... So anyway, if you go to that Calipin deal uh, on mine, you can see what the finished version of my setup was. I put this up when you got to go to Markdown Setup mm-hmm. there. Yeah, sure. And so that was my setup, and I'll show you what that looks like in the actual file. Oh, God, this is a really good episode. I've got to come back to my topic. 43 minutes. How long you got today? I have a ham radio. 
We haven't done a really long one in a while. That's what she said. Mm, not, <laughs> wow, that's good. You know who loves those? <laughs> you know who loves those? You know who's really good at those? Jimmy Phelps, JXPX77301138. He's really good at those. And you know why he's really good at those? Is he knows when not to do one. He just sits there and smiles and let you get it. That's when you get good at it. He's in the chat room all the time. He's the best. He's the best. He lives in there. He runs the chat room. He's he's smart like hell. Can I tell you something? Mm -hmm. He's got he's got like five degrees. He got yelled at once because he did his music theory homework in pen. You know what that is? That is smart (laughs) and cocky. It's it's smart sure and cock sure. Oh yeah. Talk show. Uh, Demo. Here it is. Here we go. All right. So where should I put this that you would see it? Should I put on the pasty? Yeah, whatever yeah. whatever you want to do, it's good. What are you doing? Pasty, you know, use it gist on GitHub. Use it gist. Okay. I got, actually I have got a I've got a uh I think I've got a bundle for that. Oh, and this is back when I was using Solarized. How funny is that? So mm. I do a gist. Is that under GitHub? GitHub. Gist.github.com. Send private gist, create gist from selection. I can do that. Man, computers are cool. You know, I make that crack sometimes about um, haha, we're losing the ladies and stuff, but you know. It's true. It really is true. You know, know, there's a lot of techie ladies up there. I think that's a little bit, you know, not accurate. There's a lot of nerd ladies. Now, 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 Christina, what's what's her deal? Exactly. Uh, No, exactly. Hmm. Hmm. Exactly. Hmm. So I can go to my GitHub and do this. Um, my topic for today, by the way, I think 2012 is the year of Christina Warren. She seems, um, she seems, um, really cool and super charming. She's I not really, tall though. Is that right? Can you tell me more about that? Very, very petite, very short. Hmm. Now petite, is that code? Is petite's kind of code, isn't well, it? Well, if it is, I wasn't using it that way, but maybe I need to know what it is. So I'll stop using it. Hmm. Okay. What is the code for? I like pasty better. Uh, I used to think that... Um, yeah, but I gist, had... if you do it on gist, I can fork your gist and keep mm. it as my own and modify yeah, it and reshare pasty. it. You can pull the record. Yeah. I know, way better than pasty. Pasty does prettier nah, stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. All right. All right. I'll do it there. Pasty's see, this not is, this social. This is the zoo. This is what the zoo should be. I know. Merlin's You're thing. not up for the zoo. You can't sure. handle the zoo. Hmm. Probably right. Well, here's like some police. I'm in San Francisco. Oh my god! I'll try this as a public just and language detected by file name. Oh, dot md. Will that work? Man, we'll see if it works. Create a public gist. No, see, it's not pretty. I want it to be pretty. Oh well, show embed. Huh? Raw. I don't think this works. Nobody can work. tell what you're doing. Yeah. All right. Oh, I can put this uh, publicly on the. Uh, I can put this publicly on the thing. I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Do you think this will be remembered as the worst episode of our show ever? No, I think it will be remembered as the most average. Hmm. Boy, you know, that's, that's a lot harder to do than you'd think. I'm going to just call this Demo X. This isn't going to work. Here, I'll just put up a screen grab. What the hell? Okay, so, um, you know what, though, I think... Boy, this is terrible, Dan. I can't believe we're doing this. Um, I, I, you know, just to make this sort of the, the sort of thing we talk about, I think... Um, I think it's worthwhile to fiddle with this stuff, though, and and I think it is worthwhile also to like to share this stuff, you know. But I think it's good to have like just enough tips to like put you in the right direction. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like you don't need to spend all day on this stuff. And and personally, for myself, I have found it so easy to spend all day on this stuff. Try that. I put it up once before. Oh, there it is. Yeah, yeah. 
Now, what do you use for a, for a uh, monospace? Well, I have been using, and I have a post on this from 2009, which is still mostly accurate. Inconsolata is my go-to. Love Inconsolata. The, the people who like it often also like the Microsoft, or uh, I guess it's a sender that made it for them. It's, con- I don't know if you say Consolas or Consolas or Consolas. Yeah. I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. how you say but um, I'll tell you two reasons I don't like that. One is that it's a commercial font that, that you, can't, um, you can't pay for without buying like Microsoft Office or something like that. So it's not like you can go and support a font developer who's making it. You have to buy some big commercial package usually to get it. Um, yeah, but that's, that's not – yeah, I know there is. They, <laughs> I talked about it before and they, people got upset, so I don't talk about it. The, but the, se- the second reason – and that's not even – I don't even care about that. That's not even a valid – really a valid reason. The second reason is for me, for my taste, it's a little bit too fat of a font, just a little too heavy. The characters are a little bit too heavy, uh, if, especially if you ever use a darker background and you're using the lighter colored. If, if you're using like a, a light colored, like a white background – I think it holds up a little bit better there, but in, in it's a little too. No, I'm talking about con, console. Console. Okay. Now, Inconsolata is perfect everywhere. So that's that's been my go-to font for years, and I love it. And I sometimes want a font that it has a little bit more character to it than that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I've I've really been searching for something for a long time that that yeah. does that does have a little bit more character that is I, a little bit more I fun without like being those difficult fat to read. Ones. I used to like Anonymous Pro and stuff, and now I'm looking at them like, oh my god, these are so fat. They're fat. They're fat They're and so wide. So fat and wide. You know, um, Doctor Drang had a really good post about this where he compared a bunch of these. Why doesn't it, who? What does he really look like? All he has is that goofy Doctor Drang. He's got he's he's, he's got that goofy Twitter avatar. He's, Okay. He's got a, uh, you know, he's got another life. That's all I'm saying. It's a little, what is it, a little clown face? It creeps me out. I don't like yeah. it. Yeah. That's okay. why I can't, I can't follow him. I can't do anything because that oh, avatar be bugs website. me. I can't. I, I, I won't do it because the icon is, the avatar is off-putting. I have a long list that I've been putting together of the blogs that I actually like and read. And I'd love like to, to read that talk. guy, but I'd have to, I'd have to read it later or, you know, an Insta paper just to read it because I, I can't stand looking at that avatar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We should mention that to him. I would rather him use just, I would rather him go to, you know, I don't know, stock, some stock art site, stock photo site, download a picture of a person who is similar age, gender, uh, you know, as him and use that mm-hmm. as his avatar because then it'd be a person I could associate with. But when I see that face, it's like, I don't care what he says. I don't care what he writes. Cause I you think we should do an intervention. Can't connect with him. Hmm. Maybe we should do an intervention. Or to use no avatar, just go, you know, a little black square. Then I definitely oh, won't follow. Brother, brother, if I see the egg, if I see the egg on Twitter, or I see I'd the profile see the on egg. Tumblr, I hate the egg. If I see the egg on, if I see the egg on Twitter, or I see the uh, the face, the, the profile is it just that he doesn't want anyone to know who he is, so he doesn't want to use his real. Dan, I would have to assume that he probably does not want people to know who he really is. Huh. I would, I would have to just why assume. can't tell you. Um, Do you know who he is really? I think we should talk about my topic, but uh, first I want to tell you about a thing I like. All right. What do you like this week? Do you know, have you ever heard of this thing called Squarespace? I love it. Oh, man, I love Squarespace. All right. This I'm is, moving this is, all my stuff over them in 2012. This is my big Squarespace year to get everything everything there. I, uh, I have made, I've made a big step. What is Got it? A big, did a big step. Got a big step. Same. Involves a SQL dump, a little Python. 
talking to a guy. Mm-hmm. Tell mm-hmm. me. Hey, Jackals, if anybody out there knows a good way to get some stuff out of Drupal into, say, MT format, talk to me. Mm. Dan will pay you for it. Uh, we talk a lot about Squarespace on here. This is going to be a short one because it's an easy one because uh, uh, it's insanely cool and you should just go sign up Squarespace, Dan. Dan describes Squarespace as... Uh, uh, how do you describe it, Dan? You describe it as a place where you get a website, you hit a couple buttons, boom, there's a website. It's really pretty. It's really solid. Most yeah. of you know this stuff. If it's your first time listening to the show, I know you're already gone, so I'm not worried. Here's the thing. Uh, I put this in show notes already. Uh, they introduced uh, a thing this week. You ever heard of a slider, Dan? You know what a slider is? And I don't mean a burger. You know what I mean? A slider. That's where you grab the little uh, little thing and you go from left to right, right to left. Yeah. like it, This got pretty hot a few years ago when the JavaScript uh, business caught on. It would be is it a neat way to like, you know, every site you go to now, you, you know, you got that 960 thing and there's three columns at the bottom and there's a slider. And so a slider, I think that's the name for it, uh, is a, essentially is a slideshow of stuff that, you know, automatically moves from one thing to the next. And, you know, if you've got a whole bunch of stuff or you've got a demo of your product, it's a really neat way uh, to have these images. Think of it as a, you know, as a slideshow. It used to be like a big JavaScript thing. You can do them now with HTML5. But there's been, you know, <laughs> if you go to one of those douchebag sites, you'll find 375 of the best sliders to use on your site. <laughs> and, of course, it's paged because it's a gallery. Right. And it's a racket, but uh, they just introduced something uh, called the, two, they're calling it the 2.0 version. Yeah, Slideshow 2.0. Did you see that in the notes? I did. Okay. Well, rather than just talk about it, <laughs> did you already see, go see the uh, little demo? Yeah. You already saw my little demo? I haven't seen your demo. I've seen their demo. Okay, everybody in the audience, they have just made it way easier to make one of these and to do really cool stuff with it built into your Squarespace size, please go to www.merlinmanoneword.com slash bookbag. This I, I have this, not seen. I oh, this, now I'm seeing. <laughs> I, did this, I did this in 21 minutes today. That's awesome. I did this in 21 minutes. Oh, look, this is your whole site. So you get the you whole Merlin, thing going there now. www.merlinman.com slash bookbag. You go in, you create a gallery, you make a new page, you drop this in. Um, and as you can see, uh, these are some photos of me uh, showing what an unfortunate little man I am. That one from 1979, is that real? Oh, yeah, I was a seaman apprentice. Oh, my God. Later on, I was a seaman navigator. <laughs> so cute. Oh, my Thank God, you. you're such a cute little kid. Okay, but Until 1981. So, Dan, so, Dan. Oh, <laughs> hmm, okay. Seriously, Dan, five years ago. Yeah. Like, <laughs> making one of these five years ago. Think about it. <laughs> it, would take, it would take probably <laughs> several thousand dollars and, and several people... Oh, several I, weeks to build this. I did this in 21 minutes this morning, including grabbing the photos off of Flickr. And uh, so notice one other thing. So I did my own, and of course I skinned. So what I'm looking at here, for those of you who are listening to this in an audio format, is I grabbed a bunch of photos. I dropped them into the drag and drop uh, interface for this. I entered in uh, descriptions and go ahead and click on one. And uh, I put the same URL on all of them, but you now have the ability to have a slideshow with links. Um, which in our case goes to the page where you can sign up for Squarespace. But that's pretty cool and and it's really uh, cool, really cool and, and good looking. And like I say, that just took a few minutes. Um, 
I really want to redo my, my whole site. I keep putting it off until I've done this other stuff, but I just want to start over on my Squarespace site because like, there's so much that it does now that it didn't do before and I hate my site. Um, not, to say, not because of Squarespace, but because I'm lame. Uh, and I was tempted to just put this on the homepage because I think this is actually not this, but something like this because it's just so much cooler. Now, are you ready for this, Dan Benjamin? Yeah, I mean, I'm ready this, for anything. Okay, I, I decided to try this knowing that there's absolutely no way that this would actually work. But go to kungfugrip.com. Okay. And notice that it works on an iPhone. So that ain't Flash. Oh, That's, wow, look at that. It's HTML5. It's <laughs> so cool. So, I mean, this is just another of the many things that are great. You'll, you'll, once you signed up for this, you'll see... Look at that picture you got under there with the little <laughs> secretary lady. <laughs> Which one? She's just like at a desk, a little Whoa, baby screaming. Baby the secretary? What is that? Guys, if you're not following awkward stock photos on Tumblr, <laughs> you are missing out. Truly, this is truly. funny. Look at little wig on. A little yeah, bread in there. Seeing Chewy and R2? Just scroll down to that one. Chewy and R2 on oh, set, smoking butts. Oh, that's that. a good one. That's a good one, Peter Mayhew. Man, I should read this more than just once or twice a day. Oh, no, you don't need to. Um, you know, and, and uh, I promise to keep this short, so I will. I, 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 really, I really just like, <laughs> as somebody who used to spend a lot of time trying to do this kind of stuff and having it be really hard, um, it's, it's just really neat to me that when a feature like that comes out and I can make a slideshow that's really silly in 21 minutes, that's, I think that's great. I think this is great for people who have clients that want this kind of stuff. Um, you know, you might look at this today and just go, okay, you know, anybody can do that, but not anybody can do that. It's a real pain. And, and this really does just work. Um, and, and Dan, Dan, Dan Benjamin, mm. did you know that it's a new month? It is a new month. And what that means is we have a new, what do you want to go ahead and say it? Offer code. We got oh, a new, new offer, offer code. code. Please go to Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> You're the one who's going to have to say it, so get ready. Okay. You go to squarespace.com <laughs> slash back to work, one word, and you will get 15% off of your first six months with Squarespace by using the offer code bulk bag. <laughs> <laughs> so that's also a test of our listeners to see if they know what the word is that I'm saying. Bulk bag. Should yeah. I fill that in by saying how to spell it? No. That would be their test. How do you think Lil Ryan's going to feel about that? B U L B U L K B A G. Bulk you're going to be there typing in book bag and yeah. being all confused. Bulk, um, bulk, bulk bag. bag. There's no space in bulk bag because it is so full. It is literally so bulky. But this is a new special. It's 15% off for mm-hmm. six months. Six months. Nine times, Mrs. Bueller. And you can have things like these uh, sliders. This slider is actually based on a portfolio. You can go in and make these Nino portfolios. Anyway, you'll get it once you're in. Um, and if you're tired of hearing me yammer about it, well, tough luck. But go to squarespace.com slash back to work and you actually see tons of demos. You'll see the pretty sites that people are making with this stuff. Um, and it's all uh, just pretty amazing. So I like it a lot. So um, in the chat room, they're saying that if you use the coupon code book bag, it should be a 15% increase in price that you would have to pay. <laughs> That's not, they're not, I don't think they're set up. To I think that. it's called prisoner's dilemma. Right. Hmm. Is that the hmm. one where they got all the students and they, they said, you, the students, the prisoners, and then the mm-hmm. other ones were the guards. And then yeah, after so like, the, uh, like three days, the guards were beating the prisoners. Them. Yeah, and, it's called yeah. the uh, Stanford Bulk Bag uh, experiment. <laughs> That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. It was hosted by Stanley Milgram, who was one of the early uh, assembly assembler uh, programmers. Plimpton. We do what we're told. Plimpton. My Plimpton. You know, eventually, Peter Gabriel's going to write a song about everybody. <laughs> Just wait. It's true. It's like the Thousand Monkeys. Or isn't, I think you're thinking of the 12 monkeys. 
Oh, that's with that guy from that movie I don't like. Brad Pitt. Yeah, right, right, right. Hmm. 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 You sent me a photo from that movie. From we should talk, we should, we should talk about that movie because I don't really like it. Twelve Monkeys? She said that one comfortable in my skin, 1987. I would kill to have that one. shirt again. That was such a cool shirt. It's Hen- an REM Life's Rich pageant shirt, and I really wish I had it again. Like the Henderson shirt, better. I bought that at a uh, Goodwill in Sarasota. Look at that. Isn't that a good-looking guy? You like that mustache? Not the mustache, but everything else is good. I'm going to put this... Uh, <laughs> this <laughs> awkward stock photo is great. Isn't that insane? <laughs> There's some real good ones on here. <laughs> I'm going to put slides, exclamation mark... Have you played with that Hibari yet? Hibari yet. Uh, our thanks to uh, Squarespace.com for supporting 5x5 and Backdoor. And thank you especially to little Ryan, who's so little. He's so really so little. I talked to Ryan on the phone the other day. His mommy put Hibari, the cleanest tweet stream, that thing? Yeah, yeah, it's really, really neat. Hmm. You can uh, cut out all kinds. You can mute anybody without unfollowing them, although I would never do that. Um, and you can um, do, like, uh, phrases you would never want to see. It's really, really neat. Like anything that includes the word Merlin. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm installing um, it. Or, for the sake of argument, you could say block tweets matching election Gingrich Romney <laughs> pound FF RT or whatever conference someone's at that they keep tuning about. Oh, I like this idea. Hibari. Yeah. Hibari. Loading Twitter authorization page. Yeah, and the um, I, I, I think the the uh, the developer of this, uh, whose name is escaping me right now, she's really smart. She did a really nice post about her design decisions on this. I thought it was really really good. Can I drag straight from there into here? Yes. Hmm. Okay. What is a weird show? It's a weird show. Dude. No, I think it's maybe the best show you've ever done. Oh, no, thank notice you, I said you. Thank you. Thank you. You should listen to that Pump Chili episode of Roderick on the Line. It's really good. Habari, place in the robot. Do you want to talk about my topic for just a few minutes? Yes, I really would like that. Because I think that it is a way to... I'm sending Whoa, thing on that's the cool. I hear, that was a cool sound effect. Boop. Um, I think... Did you ever, I don't know if you notice this because you don't listen to our show as much as I do, but our show has these uh, funny waves, this ebb and flow. Like, um, I think, you know, maybe it's just the bees that go through my bonnet, but they're... That's a pretty good one. I like that obnoxious sound that keeps happening. Did you hear that on mine too? Yeah. That's weird. I got to fix that. Sorry about that. Huh. Huh. I mean, I just ran out of CC bill credits, I think. Weird. Um, Go have a look at that. And um, I think there's funny little arcs we do sometimes. Like there was the arc about asking better questions, which I still want to come back to. But just to review, a couple episodes ago, we talked about the slip and the slide, right? Yeah. We talked about how if you slide on things like... Sliding would be like an, an, an interday kind of thing where you mean to do a thing and you don't do a thing or you don't get something scheduled and that leads to slips in the project. Last week, in a way that I would see as follow-up to that, I got to turn off this slideshow. Mm-hmm. I really don't want to see myself anymore. People have met Mickey Mouse though. Isn't that kind of cool? That is cool. Not something yeah. everyone gets to do. Yeah. He's, he's nice, but not as nice as you'd think. I think he's busy. And then last week we talked about uh, the true cost of things, which I was a little bit all over the map, but, you know, it was just, uh, just this notion that um, sometimes there are costs that go beyond the obvious costs. You know, uh, the example I'm always beating up on is stuff like Walmart. Like, if you really take into account all of the costs of that. Well, my gosh, these days, if you think about the Foxconn stuff, there are the cheap costs that we get for electronics, Apple or otherwise, certainly have a human cost that, that people suddenly figured out last week. Um, and uh, to tell you the truth, you know what I wonder about? I wonder about the Amazon. You ever think about the Amazon and the true costs of Amazon? 
the Amazon meaning the the long river. Okay. Yes, I do think about that. I sometimes wonder people like me who rail against stuff like Walmart. I wonder how often we really think about the true cost of stuff like Amazon. You know, like I, I have a uh, subscription. Did you know you get subscriptions to products? Give me an example. Like a well, subscription, I, I, like you know that every week you want, or every month you want to get that seltzer thing sent to you. I've got to buy more. I'm totally out. Um, for example, I, um, because I'm a bad person on a variety of levels, mm-hmm. my family goes through a lot of paper towels. You get sick of buying paper towels. Because we pay the $80 a year or whatever it is for Amazon Prime, all kinds of crap just gets delivered to your house and it just shows up. We have, have a, I, don't, I think we've still got it, a subscription to paper towels. Every end days, they send us another giant box of paper towels. You know, just put it on our tab. Now, I, I want you to really think about this the way that I have. I don't think I'm going to change that anytime soon, but I would like you to think about the idea that somewhere in Reno Sparks, somebody takes a big cardboard box full of paper wrapped around other cardboard. They basically send us a box of paper and cardboard. <laughs> Someone puts that on a truck in Reno Sparks and drives it to our house right. where we use the paper and throw it away, and then they do it again. Yeah. Right? So somebody, you know, a lot of us might piss and moan about stuff like Walmart, but like, think about that with Amazon, the way Walmart puts all the businesses out of business. And uh, I just think it's an interesting idea. Because if I'm super honest about the true cost of that, well, the true cost of that, there's serious ramifications to that, especially for all the things that those, you know, paper towels came from. But, and we talked about true cost in terms of your career and what you charge for things and decisions that you make. So in the uh, four minutes we have left, you know what I wanted to talk about? And so this phrase that I used a couple times on here, and I thought you seemed kind of interested in this. I was talking to a pal of mine a couple, three weeks ago, and we were talking about those kind of situations that come up a lot these days. This would be the third part of the arc. But those things that come up a lot these days inside of companies that are, are cutting back, right, that are getting smaller, you know, maybe it's layoffs, um, holy Christ on a crush. Did you hear they just laid off like five support people from Flickr? Like the five people who knew how to fix things on no, Flickr. No, come on. No, my hand to God, I'm just exporting and running. That's it. I, I got to go. It's, that's ridiculous. But, you know, so what do you do? <laughs> the five people who knew how to fix things. The five, in somebody's words, I forget where I read this. It was a former Yahoo employee. <laughs> Nothing against Yahoo, mind you. But this person who used to work there was like, you know what they just did? They just, like, remember hearing last year that some guy lost thousands of photos? on his site. Well, these are the people who knew how to fix that and get it back. The people who have the patience to answer the same question three times every hour and not lose their head, they're gone now, right? So that happens in a lot of companies now, especially really, really dumb ones. And so what happens? Other people have to pick up the slack. You suddenly, it's like, uh, (laughs) there's a wonderful bit on uh, Mitchell and Webb. There's a great scene on Mitchell and Webb where, what's the guy's name? Ribbentrop, after Hitler kills himself. Uh, No, was it Ribbentrop? Admiral... Help me out, somebody, historian. Who's the admiral that followed Hitler? Is that Ribbentrop? But basically, this guy gets a field promotion to become the Fuhrer. And they go, guess what? Hitler's dead. You're the new boss. And he's so excited because he gets to be the boss. Like, he's the head of the Third Reich of Germany. Of course, as it's crumbling around him, right? (laughs) It would have been a better gig in 1939. But in April of 1945, it's probably not the best job security. Like, he's going to have a pretty tough gig in the, like, two or three weeks that he's going to have that job. And certainly, a lot of us have have felt that way. Inside of a company where things are falling apart and you go, hey, guess what? You get a promotion. But here's your promotion. Your promotion is we just cut the staff in your area in half. And your new promotion is now that you have to do a lot more work for pretty much the same amount of money, only we give you a title. Like, that happens a lot, right? Don't you think that happens a lot nowadays? I think so. 
that it becomes this way of like you give somebody a promotion when in fact it's a lot more work without necessarily that much more prestige, certainly not more money. And I was just talking to a pal of mine about that, not, not, not in the sense that he's going to have to do that, but in the sense of you reach these crossroads in your career or at your job where you have to think about, do I want to go this way or do I want to go that way? Do I want to change careers? And there's this phrase that keeps going through my mind, whether you're talking about bootstrapping a startup, starting your business, looking at a change in your work. Um, you can tell me if this makes sense, but um, the phrase I've been thinking about is, do you want 10 times more of this? Or, put differently, like, what if this went really, really well? What if this went really, really great? Okay? So, if, and that, what, I, what I mean by that is, let's say you just got that field promotion and now you're the head of, <laughs> head of the Third Reich. Like, before, you were just another guy, but now you just got, like, 10 times more of something. In this case, maybe you got 10 times more power, but likely you probably just got like 10 times more problems. Yeah. You got 10 times more of something. And, and why does that hook up with these last couple episodes? What if you're in a company where you feel like your team is not respected or as, as well as it should be? Maybe for right or wrong reasons, but you feel that way? What if you feel like you're not making the kind of money that you should or, you know, maybe you're just not even getting the insurance that you want. Maybe you're a contract person who wishes you were full time. Well, I wonder if one interesting way to think about the changes that come out you come out you is to think about whether you'd want 10 times more of whatever that thing is. And sometimes, anyway, does that kind of make sense? Well, it makes sense to me. It's fine. Well, for, it's fine for Merlin. Have you been in, have you been in places where you didn't feel respected? That's pretty much everywhere I go. <laughs> but you know what I mean. You go somewhere and you feel like maybe you feel like you're a cog or maybe you feel like you're not acknowledged for your contributions or maybe you're not acknowledged for all, putting in a lot more work than somebody else. And I, I wonder if it's an interesting question to ask yourself how much more of that you want. You know, and when, and when this gets to the root well, it's of a very, thing, It's a scary question is what that is. It's a really scary question, especially, remember we talked last week about well, what do you do if you're scrambling for work? Okay, well, if you're scrambling for work, you are certainly open. And a lot of people took me to task for this, or at least a handful of people. I think somewhat fairly, well, you know, well, maybe you made $15 an hour as a web guy because you sucked, which is <laughs> certainly a good point and certainly true. I certainly wasn't great at it. Um, but I think implicit in what we talked about last week is um, if you take on a lot of work that's not what you think it's worth or not what you know the market should bear, or in a way that I put somewhat melodramatically, if you're working more and more with people who you think don't respect that your work is valuable or how you think it's valuable, maybe you're doing a bad job of portraying that. Do you want 10 times more of that? Or put differently, what do you wish you had 10 times more of? Well, maybe you want 10 times more of money. That's certainly a normal thing to want more of. Maybe you want 10 times more of, as you've said, like direct reports. But what if you're in a place where you feel like you're not really respected and you say, well, I've got to stay here because I need this job. Or I've got to stay here because if I'm here long enough, something will happen. I've got to stay here because I'm just so uncertain about the future. Well, what if it accidentally, that goal turned out great and you were there for another 20 years? Mm. Like, is that a good way for that to turn out? What if you really got 10 times more disrespect? What if you got 10 times more, not that much money? What if you actually got like 10 times more of not being acknowledged for what you've done? And again, not to put that too, too dramatically, but I think we get so fixated on the now 
or for that matter, we get so fixated on the past. We say, oh, that pain. I never want to feel that pain of worrying about money. I never want to, again, I can't stand to feel that pain of not knowing if my job is secure. And so we end up clinging to these things that may not always be the best life preserver to reach for. And that's, and I guess what I'm trying to propose in a way we could talk about more next week, maybe if we, because we'll have more time is I think it's worth thinking about like, what if that fear never ended up turning out? What if that fear of getting fired didn't turn out? Are you going to, you going to be happy if you're at that place for another year? Are you going to be happy if you're at that place for another 10 or 20 years? Because you're not always going to be 25. You're going to pretty soon you're going to be 35 or 45 or 55. And just if you're the luckiest person in the world and you never got laid off from that job, where would you be? Do you think that things are really going to turn around? If they've been treating you like crap, for three or five years, do you imagine that some change in management inside of a company that's rapidly receding is going to suddenly rocket you to the top and you're going to get a corner office? Or is it really more likely that if you were honest about that trend line, you would acknowledge and accept that things are probably just going to get worse? So, boy, ready for another horrible thing to have to think about? Mm. Like now it's an even worse tough space than you thought. Like if you were really hunkered down in a place that was about to get a bomb dropped on it, that's not really the safest place to be. The safest place might be moving to a close location or it might just be tearing ass in the other direction. And for myself, like I, I feel like those times when I've clung to those kinds of jobs or those kinds of positions or that kind of compensation, in retrospect, I find myself thinking, oh my God, I can't believe that used to seem like a good deal. I can't believe I used to think that that being around people who who refused to even understand what was happening in the technology, right? They kept me trying to maintain the spaghetti code base, maybe in your case, right? Eh, that's a secure job, though. You can't get rid of it. Mm. But like, so what job skills are you going to have after five years of maintaining spaghetti code when you could have been learning um, something new? I've talked a lot, but can you give me your thoughts on that? Because I, I, I think if you start with the slip and the slide thing, why does the slip and the slide thing happen? The sli- this is a couple episodes ago. The slip and the slide thing happens because there's an institutional acceptance that we don't either don't care about this thing or we don't care enough about this thing to, to make it, to give it the respect and priority that we claim that it has. And that's why dates slip. That's why meetings go the wrong way. Um, and that helps us, encourages us to lose track of those true costs because we get so wound up in the today of, can we schedule this meeting? Can we do this thing? Oh my gosh, we got to scramble. This meeting's late. Instead of taking this bigger step back and going, like, what the hell is happening with this organization that I'm in? Is this a place that I want to really keep pouring myself into? It doesn't mean you have to go run off and have a startup. The thing that I, the stake in the ground I want to place right now and get your thoughts on too, is like, when do you know that you don't want 10 times more of something and that the downside of staying with that thing just because it makes you feel less fearful or makes you feel less anxious or makes you feel less abandoned. Like when do you know it's time to just cut bait? Well, that's the, that's the scary part. That's the part that takes, takes the guts or the courage or whatever the word is to potentially say the way that I feel about this, when I realize that more and more of this crap is just getting heaped up, on top of me and that I can now see clearly one, two, three, five, ten years down the road that it's just more of this. I mean, it, for some people, that's not, that's not the last straw, but you're, you're saying maybe it should be. Well, but it's scary. Think- it's a scary prospect. Again, we talk about this all on the show all the time. And I think a lot of the time you point out 
you know, take a look. What your what the message is, if I could kind of summarize what I feel like your your message is a lot of the time, is to sort of say to people, stop what you're doing, look take a look around, and make a decision now about what the rest of your life is gonna look like, or at least take a step in that direction. And for a lot of people, they don't even want to see that. They don't even want to take that step. They don't even want to look at that because if they really look at it, that will force them. It will force them to make a hard decision. And a lot of people aren't ready to do that. Right? I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty close. And I think an easier way to make that less emotional and more painfully obvious is to do it backwards, which is to do it in reverse. <laughs> okay. Right. No, no, I'm, I'm agreeing. I'm totally agreeing with you. And I think that's not a bad summary of what I'm, I guess, unintentionally implicitly saying, but let's look backwards for a minute. Um, let's, let's start with a straw man. Um, one of our favorite, uh, daddy daughter Friday night things used to be to go to borders because you'd go to borders. I could get a coffee. She could get a Madeline and we could just go read a bunch of books and sit around. If we could find a space where, where the, the kids weren't just laying in the aisles, reading manga, whatever that is. But you could go and find a little spot over by the Curious George section and read a book, and it was really great. But what was a Borders? Like a, a Borders is a big building full of paper and insurance. Like it's it, there's all of this stuff. I mean, I, and I know you love the books and you love the stores and you love the things. And yes, I understand. I understand. I understand. But they're competing with the people who bring the paper towels to my house. Like I, I don't know how you're going to occupy something to make that any different. That's a reality today is that there are economies of scale that some of these companies have put in place that make it untenable to have a place where you don't have books in stock and say, I can order this for you. Well, that's not tenable anymore. But imagine this. Imagine Borders did something where they said, we're going to stick with this. And the most, the biggest thing that we're going to do is say that you can order a book online and pick it up in the store. Well, I tried that a couple times when I showed up and the book wasn't actually there because unlike places like the evil Walmart, they're... Um, it's so disorganized in there or it's, they're tracking their inventory so poorly that even when I tried to do that thing, it didn't work out. The book was not there. It was a wasted trip for me. And the competition for that is I type a couple things in the books there the next day from Amazon. Um, let's say they stuck with that. Let's say they stuck with, well, we'll get more kind of high margin stuff like paddleball games and moleskin notebooks and you know Italian magazines. Maybe we'll bring in this section where you can buy a laptop bag. But at the essence, the book is still full of plastic and paper mm. and, and, and salary right? Let's say they stuck with that. Hey, well, you know what? They did stick with it. And now that place is closed. And now it's a remainder bookstore. So let's say you were scared. Let's say you were borders. Let's say you were terrified about what your 10x was going to be. And let's say you doubled down. So what do you do? You double down. You say, we're going we're gonna to stay here. We've got our giant rent. There's not that much we can do about it. So we're going to stay dug in. We're going to keep with the same thing. And now the place is closed. So what feels like a position of security of and again i'm not like a business analyst i don't have a pie chart on this but it just seems to me that that's a business where the writing was on the wall a pretty long time ago there were people not that many years ago that were really dug in about never being on the itunes store never even selling a digital copy of anything why because they were for practical purposes people who sold plastic and occasionally played in bars Right? They didn't see themselves as people whose job it was to maintain a relationship with their fans. They didn't see it as somebody who should adjust to the market and, and make a connection with the people who are dying to give them money in the way that they weren't accustomed to. And they didn't evolve. So they got really dug in. And they might have said, you know what, we want 10 times more of people buying these really overinflated CDs. Well, how is that turning out? 
right? If you look back in retrospect, there might have been a time when, when, when you said, <sighs> you might have said, I want 10x more of becoming a rock star when you were 15. And then maybe by the time you were 18, you know, it was time for college. And you said, well, no, 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 I, I, I've got to really stay dug in on becoming a rock star. Well, you know what? A few people who were 15 became rock stars. But then a lot of people eventually got to a point where they said, you know, if I stick with that one thing forever, it's not necessary. It's not a failure on my part to go. This is maybe not the best long-term strategy. Um, maybe it could be that you're living in a house that you don't like. Maybe it could be you're in a relationship. Oh my God, it could be about a relationship. If somebody's abusive to you, like if somebody steals from you, if somebody's cheating on you, if somebody's got an, a substance abuse problem and you've got three kids sitting around, you're scared to death, right? Why? But in a million years, would you ever want to leave that if you were depending on that security of a place to live and occasionally half of the rent? Be honest. We've all been in things like that. Yeah. And at the time, you just can't imagine leaving that. But do you want 10 times more of that? Or do you want 10 more years of that? Because then the question becomes, once you're out of that relationship, maybe you're in that halfway house. Maybe you moved on. Maybe you're like Alice and Tommy and you moved to Arizona and everything turned out to be a little bit better. When you look back at that you're going to realize how monkey balls it was that you thought that was security. Because the best thing you could do yourself, for yourself was to stop seeing that as your only route. And I, I don't have an easy answer for that. I, I don't have a way of writing you a check and making that easy. But I, I want to return to this, but I want to at least think about that. Because the, the things that have felt secure to us in the past that we found solace in, that we found um, an anchor in, could be exactly the, the anchor that's pulling us to the bottom of the ocean. But mm -hmm. it feels secure, Right? It's what's the what's the old uh, Buddhist joke about? You know, <laughs> Alan Watts says about you, you're falling off the side of a cliff for fifty, sixty, seventy years. You see a rock and you grab it because it feels secure, but you're just going to land with the rock. <laughs> That's not really secure. I don't know. I get the sense you felt this with a lot of jobs, even contract stuff. Every like, every like, job, every job, almost if not, yeah. I mean, I would say probably every job. Well, I mean, and it's totally when you immediately, usually if, you know, it's, it's not a question of, will I feel that way or would I, it wasn't a question of would I feel that way. It was a question of how long do I have before I feel that way? And my wife would always, that was kind of like, like the joke. She's like, are you still, you know, still enjoying it or do you hate it already? You're ready to go. You're ready to move on to the next we, thing. We have a, we have a, a mutual uh, friend uh, who uh, I had an email exchange with the other day and the is person said, is it Sandy? Hmm? <laughs> God, and I this, haven't heard from him forever. I love him and this, so this much. This person said, um, so sometimes I feel like my biggest problem is that everything's so perfect right now. And it was meant to be like a joke, right? Ha ha, that's, obviously that's not really a problem. I'm very happy in my relationship. I'm very happy with my job. I'm so happy with everything right now that um, I don't, I, I can't imagine like what I would ever want to change about that. Right. And I should find the actual email. But what I said to her was, well, you know exactly what the problem is, which is that if you think everything's perfect right now, uh, it could get better, but chances are it won't. And you're probably scared now because your your ass is on top of that mountain. You're at the highest point, and the only way to go is down. It could stay perfect, but have you ever been in a perfect relationship? Again, it's it's the wheel out of balance, right? The wheel out of kilter. This is the dukkha because even when everything is perfect, you're going to start finding things that aren't perfect. If you are a person who's fearful, you're always going to find something to be scared of. If you're a person who's anxious, you're always going to find something to be anxious about. And even if something eventually gets perfect and you want 100x more of that, the thing or, or 10x or whatever, well, the fact is you may never get 10x more of that. You may just get the constant gnawing fear that you're just going to start rolling uncontrollably downhill. I mean, so, so I guess, you know, I don't have an exact answer to this, but I think one interesting thing to think about is 
What if I decided to be a person who was not going to habitually be looking for the next thing to be scared of? What if I became a person who in the best way or most sane and grown up way I could decided that I was going to start losing some of my attachment uh, to these things that seem secure but may not be? Because, you know, you're either going to die or you're not. You're either going to lose an eye or you're not. You know, you're either going to be on the street or you're not. But there's a lot of people with one eye that have a pretty good life. There's a lot of people who are on the street for a while, but eventually aren't. And I don't want you to ever have to hit that point. But I'm just saying that, like, true security is being the sort of person who's not relying on something externally to make them feel like they're safe. Because if you're that kind of person, and in my case, I feel like I spent over 40 years being that kind of person, I started to realize that there will always be something that's going to scare me more. And staying hidden behind this one rock that I think is going to protect me might be the dumbest thing in the world because who knows one day that rock might fall on me and then I'm not going to be so safe anymore. So, I mean, the, the answer, the unsatisfying answer in some ways is to think about how you have to change your perception because you know what? If you've decided you want to stay in that job, even if you don't want to be there for 10 years or want 10x more, if you get that perspective and context of taking a step back, like you said, Dan, um, that is kind of what we're saying. Because it's really easy to catastrophize things. It's really easy to make yourself so wound up about something. I, like I say, I can be a very anxious person sometimes. I can talk myself into being scared about just about anything. I talked about this in that, you know, Webstock talk. Um, you know, but the truth is bad stuff's always going to happen. And, you know, if there's anything that I wish I had 10x more of, it's uh, the courage to not rely on broken systems to make me feel like I'm safe. And I, I can't promise that I'm going to get that today, tomorrow, or 10 years from now. But if there's anything that you want to change, like how in the hell are you ever going to change your company? How in the hell are you ever going to change your team? How are you going to make people do email like you, do meetings like you? When are you ever going to get to the point when you change the pe- people enough to be a way that you're satisfied with? Well, you're not. And if you do, you'll get to that perfection and then you'll find something else to worry or fuss about. You know, it's like David Allen says, he thinks, David Allen says, the getting things done guy says that procrastination is not a bad thing. It's just good to have things that you procrastinate about that are productive or helpful or make you feel good. Right. Anyway, I I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but all that stuff that starts out as those little slips and slides, those little slights of like people who don't show up for meetings or people who don't have the deliverable you expected in time. And now you've got to go explain that to somebody. And that can, that can go all the way down into now the true cost becomes, well, I'm just not spending time at home anymore and that's not making anybody happy. But your lizard brain tells you to keep doing that because even if, even if you hate that and it's making your life really ugly, it's the thing you've got to do to be safe. And if you get mad about hearing things like that, there's a really good chance that you're one of those people because I'm very often one of those people. I'm as scared as anybody. Um, but you know what? What is the thing you want? What is the thing you want ten times more of? Do you want ten times more of that fear? Do you want 20, 20 more years of driving into work every day on one cheek because you're you're about to poop yourself with how much you hate it? Mm. Like, are you going to have another ten years of sitting there with this thought buzzing in your head about how manifestly unhappy you are? And 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 I don't I don't have an answer to that. I don't have an easy answer for you to get out of that. But I think until you acknowledge that these are the wages of security, quote unquote, <laughs> you know. That's, that's a check a lot of us can't afford to receive for the rest of our lives. I like that. Boy, that's a downer. First we talked Seriously. about fonts, talked about fonts, and now we're talking about being sad. How do you get out of that? 
you seem like a really weird combination of, uh, uh, of scared and brave. Like sometimes you get so scared, you brave yourself into something. Hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like uh, you're in a changing environment. You're doing different things. You've done this programming stuff. Some of it well, some of it didn't. And then you made this weird leap to doing this thing. I don't want to always well, end Programming up was a leap too. From being an English guy. Yeah. Which was a leap from being a RTV guy. Yeah. I've changed jobs so many times uh, that, I, you know, what I learned is that there is no such thing as job security unless you are directly responsible for your own income. In other words, if you are, if you are, if you are directly, the work that you do directly results in comp, in your compensation and that you are the one who's created that your own infrastructure. And, And in other words, if you're independent in some definition of the term, that's the only way that you, that you can really get job security. If you, you know, back to what you were talking about at the beginning of the show, Spaghetti Code, or the beginning of when the real show started, you know, any, in other words, the only way that you can have actual job security and the only way that you can really control your own destiny is if you are or are part of something that that gives you that independence. I'm not saying that that's right for everybody. Not everybody wants that. They're probably not listening to the show, the people who don't want that though. And that's but that's the other thing is is that if you're listening to the show, it's likely that your aspirations are to try the independent thing. I don't I don't think there are a lot of people who are content uh and, and with whatever their job is and and don't have that inspiration and are also listening to the show. Does that make sense? Like I think our listeners like this kind of thing. So I'm talking to them. I'm not talking to like the whole world. I'm talking to just to our listeners who have that kind of bent to try there. But that's the thing. And I told a friend of mine who was recently, uh, he got, he got laid off from his job or fired. I think he got fired. And I told him, I said, you know, there is no such thing as job security. That's, that's a, it's an illusion. It's a myth or an Mm -hmm. illusion, as you would say. And (laughs) it's, you know, it's something that is the only, the only way you can ever have security is by self-reliance. If you can rely on yourself to be the one who's generating your own income and and taking hold of your own uh, career, I hate that word, but your own financial life in that sense, right. if, if you're out there earning, and that, I'm not saying that you can't have a partner or you can't be part of a company or whatever. I'm just saying if if your compensation isn't directly tied to your own accomplishments that that you're in charge of, then there is no security. And if you're not in charge of that, if you're not the one who's generating that out there producing, uh, then best case scenario, it, it, you have a, you know, you have a, a clock ticking down the time that remains for you. And maybe that's, maybe it's six months, maybe it's six years, maybe it's the rest of your life if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. But typically it's not. And even, even companies that seem like Apple, we try to imagine if if there will ever be a time when there will be the downfall of Apple. And, you know, I, I would look at that and I would say, well, sure, it doesn't seem like it. Seems like they're doing great. But there was a time when we all said that about IBM and Microsoft and Netscape, for that matter. MySpace. And MySpace, where there, you know, Facebook. There is no possibility that there could be a world without Apple, let alone a world without Apple the way it is right now. 
you know, it, that, that might happen. It seems unlikely, but think, you know, and that's Apple. That's like the, you know, everybody knows Apple, right? Right. You know, look at, look at where Disney is today compared to where it used to be. If it wasn't for Pixar, I don't know if there would be a Disney the way we think of it. Their parks don't make money. You know, maybe they do now. I don't think, but there was a long time where the parks didn't make any money and it lost money. And it's, it's a very interesting proposition to think that, that the most secure you could ever feel in a job where you're, you're not, I don't want to say the one in charge, but sure, the one in charge, the one who's in charge of, of what you do, you could, you could be fired at any time. You could be let go at any time. The company that seems so secure and that seems to have such a great future could go away at any time. <laughs> and the only way that you could ever get any security is by knowing that you are directly responsible for your own success or failure. And along with that comes a huge degree of responsibility that most people aren't comfortable with. Uh, along with that comes a huge amount of risk. But is it really? Is it really risk? Is it any more responsibility? I argue that you're being more responsible and that you have less risk if you're your own boss, if you're running your own business, if you're independent. Because first of all, you can do something that a company can't do, which is change what you're doing on a dime and respond immediately. Yes. You, you are doing something that very few people are willing to do and therefore you're more agile than they are. You're not, you know, people are, oh, it's a risk to be independent. Well, the risk that you're taking is that you're going to be, you're going to be responsible, 100% responsible for your own life and your own future. And that's the risk that you're taking. You're saying, I'm prepared to be directly responsible for my own fate and I'm not going to, well, how, what do you mean I'm not responsible? I go in every day, I work 40, 50 hours a week. Okay. You know, that's true. And you're being responsible in one way, but you're not, it's not the same kind of accountability and responsibility that you have when you know that if you don't work that day, there is no sick day. There is no, you know, paid time off. There is no calling in sick. It's if you don't work, you don't get paid. If you don't get on that phone and make the call or as, as you would say, go to that sit, then you're not going to make any money at all or your future might not happen if you don't do it. Now, that's motivation. Mm -hmm. And the best way to overcome fear in this situation is to actually do it, to put yourself in that situation where you know, like all of the fear goes away when you realize that there's a mortgage payment and you need to do this to get that money. There, there's, there can be no room for fear anymore. You just have to go do it. You have to go do it. You don't have a choice about doing it. See, the fear comes in when there's choice. If you take away the choice and you know you have to do it, then you don't need to be afraid anymore because it's the fate is probably your fate's probably worse if you don't do it. It takes away the choice. It takes away the fear. And then you have to be successful. And and like I get what people are saying where like we talked about this a long time ago. I forget which episode where uh we were talking about failure and like failure is not an option. And that's not what I'm talking about because I think, I think you can still fail and you could, and if the definition of failing is not making the sale, right. Or, nor not getting the contract or something like that. Like I'm not saying that this is not like the failure is not an option kind of brute force attack that a lot of people who are tend to be very successful will, will tell you is the only way to do it. I, I'm not saying I believe in that. I don't know if I believe in that. Because if you look at my track record, I've, I've screwed up so many times and, and still do. And there's ongoing failures 
But you've got to learn from you've got to learn from that. You've got to learn from it. You've got to be able to say, "All right, this was a major screw up. How do I not do that next time?" And that so that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying failure is not an option. I'm saying you have to go into it knowing that if if there is it's it's whatever that feeling is that one day you realize like you you know it's the David Byrne song where you look around and you're like, "Wait, this is okay. So this is I bought this house somehow." I, these cars that are in the garage, I'm paying for them. Uh, there are people who are counting on me, you know, to provide them with food and shelter and education. And you're like, oh, crap. How'd I get into this? But you know what? I'm here. So how do I, how do I make this easier? How do I make this more fun? What do I have to do to get more enjoyment out of these things that are at once both responsibilities, obligations, but are also you know, the, the life that's happened while you were doing something else kind of thing. And I really do think that for people who are contemplating what we're talking about, making, making that jump to independence, taking that hard look that you're describing at their own life and their own situation and wondering, do I want 10 more years of this? You know, what they're really doing is they're really conning themselves. Because the answer is no, I don't. I mean, the answer has got to be no. Anybody who's listening to this, if you have to ask that question, the answer is no. Right? Yes. Yeah. Does that make any sense? It, it does. <clears throat> I. <clears throat> Were you just I, reading comic books like I do? <laughs> be honest. No. Hmm? I should do that. It's no, good. Just get a couple um, like no, old X-Men I, I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying, but I, I feel like it's, I don't know if it's half. It's certainly a huge part of the equation. Okay, so if, if the question on the table is, how much can I or should I trust outside entities to, I want to put this carefully, how much should I count on my job for security? Which sounds like a silly question, but it's certainly the kind of question people like my grandfather asked years ago, and it, it went fine. Well, I should count on them a lot. I should show up for work sober, and eventually I'll get to retire. Uh, as we've, <laughs> be, we've you know, beaten to death at length, well, I think most of us can acknowledge that that's not the case anymore. Even if you're sober, there's no guarantee. We all, we all get that much. But, you know, I think there is, on the one hand, a form of Stockholm Syndrome that you get where you feel like, okay, I'm in this job. I, I can't afford to feel anything but, but gracious and grateful for what I've got. But, 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 but even getting past that, let's say you finally do have the whatever to say this is not what I want 10, 10 times more of. Uh, even if you're not as uh, courageous as, as, as Dan is, you, you may still say, well, I've got to go out and, like, and see what else is out there. You may eventually get to the point where you say, well, I want to have this thing on the side that I turn into a business. Uh, however you want to look at that, there's a million ways. The, the, the only, and, 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 and what I want to agree with 100% I think with what you said, and you tell me if this is not your words, but that there's no, at, in the final analysis, as they would say at New College, in the final analysis, there's, there are very few better ways, apart from you know, independent wealth, there are very few ways to get your hands around the problem of your destiny than by choosing to be the person who's going to do that. There are relatively few ways that you can consistently trust the world to take care of you. Something I have to remind myself all the time. It makes me sad. I wish the world would take care of me, and it consistently only kind of does. Right. Um, and you really, so and I, you realize when you own the house and the cars or whatever that that like people aren't going to come and rescue you if you screw up. Most likely, 
Yeah, and you don't want to have, even if they they Even they if can, they could, you don't want them to. You don't want to do that. <laughs> right. No, people don't like doing that. So I don't disagree at all. Um, but there's this one little aspect, I think you might have, you see touched on this a little bit, but I want to really expand on this, is that to get back to this, my original point though, is you're, you're part of the equation in, insofar as you say, well, I, I want to be the one who controls this, these business decisions. I want to be the one where it's, the company stands or falls based on my efforts. But I think implicit in that is that I, I don't, I think thinking just that does not take into enough count, account what's happening in the environment around you. Because the other big pieces of this you still have no control over yeah. is what the rest of the world needs or what the rest of the world wants. So an extreme example would be, well, it, you know, if I'm you know, making sculptures out of my pubes on Etsy, I might feel like I've got more <laughs> job security. Right. But like, they're, they're better. Only if people are, well, but, but the job security is if you work for the company that does that, and the peep sculptors yes and at first mm-hmm. it seems like that's a really neat idea and you're on board with it and then when you start to realize oh nobody's buying this stuff you don't have to wait while the company sort of slowly tries to pivot and create something else and the ship starts to slowly slowly sink and you have to then scramble to find some other job no i mean if, if it doesn't work out then you say oh well i'm not doing that anymore i'm doing this other thing and then if that you know that we'll see then we get into that whole issue of changing too much because there isn't enough structure and well here's here's the example i keep thinking of but i've mentioned this a couple times on the show um people from tallahassee forgive me if i get the details wrong but there was a there was a company in tallahassee that that my friends and i looked at as uh, in the i guess yeah have to be the early 90s there's this one company in town that, that we always looked at as like oh my gosh i would love to have a job at this place because at least in, in, in the people I ran with, this was like, wow, these guys, it was such a cool company. They were a cool tech company. It was the closest thing I knew of to what would eventually feel like a dot-com job. And it was this place that did all kinds of like media things. I think they had some in-house stuff. A lot of my friends who had gone to great things afterward had at least had some experience working at this place. Mm. And I don't want to tell the story wrong, but the way I remember the story was... I don't want to say they went all in, but they went in big on Philips CDIs. And now making a Philips CDI back in the day, I don't know if you remember this, Dan, but this was going to be the future for a while. You know, CDI uh, meaning interactive CDs. It was more than a CD-ROM. It was this whole like, you know, before the web. It was before the web, right? I mean, it was this fairly kind of immersive. We should look this up on the thing. But making CDIs was not as simple as, yeah, look at this. It, you know, this is this was going to be like what? Oh God! Like a video game meets a computer meets you know CDI was going to because this is where your mindset was back then, right? And if you're Philips, guess who Philips is? Philips are the people who like didn't like Philips and Sony have a lot to do with like having CDs exist at all? Like Philips, do they do they own the do they own the um, Philips? Philips. 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 But you know, you think about back then. Philips distribution. There was probably a time when the Intellivision folks were, were thinking that innovation meant getting uh, a, a new f- popular movie franchise to make an Intellivision game, right? And there was a time, here's the thing. Now, if you were this company, this cool company, and you go all in on buying one of those CDI machines, I don't remember how much they cost, but if memory serves, they were, they were pretty pricey. Uh, CDI, the, <laughs> the CDI player in 1991 cost $700. 
So there was this giant machine that, if memory serves, looked like a Xerox machine. It was like a big machine for making these CDIs. There was a lot to it. Think about the development. Like, did you ever do like, um, back when it was still Macromedia, you do like Shockwave stuff and you mm. had the timeline. I think it was along those lines. And it was a lot of work to make these things. Um, and the buzz went, was high. Um, and then the interest was really, really low. Like, it just did not get the uptake that people expected. And now this company was stuck with these really, really costly machines that made things that nobody wanted, right? And that's where I keep coming back to this idea of like how, how and I know you've accounted for this in, in your description, I think quite well. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I keep thinking about is, you know, it, it's still, even if you're on your own, even if you're confident, and even if you're like the most successful buggy whip salesman in the world, you still have to keep your eyes open to the things that are going to allow you to either uh, keep that independence sustainable or they're going to tell you when it's time to be independent about something else or they're going to tell you that it's time to stop being independent and go get a goddamn job. And boy, how do, you, how do you summarize that in a way that's really comfortable? I totally agree, though, with the idea that, you know, <laughs> let me make this even stupider. If you're, if you're in a job right now, first of all, probably pretty lucky to have a job. If you're in a job that sucks right now, that really, really sucks. That is no fun. But you know a really interesting way to think about that is to act like you're already an entrepreneur. And I don't mean in that dickhead douchebag way of like, oh, I've installed WordPress twice, so now I'm a serial entrepreneur. I mean it in the sense of, what if you decided that, like Dan's saying, you were the one who was largely responsible for the success of your company. But what if that company was like your career? And what if you... What if you were to say, for the sake of argument, that I can start behaving like an entrepreneur even though I work for someone else? Because you know what? When you're an entrepreneur, you still work for somebody else. At the very least, you work for the people who give you money, whether that's um, (laughs) people who buy what you make, people who subscribe to your service, or often as not these days, the people who give you some kind of funding, right? You know, like we said in episode one, even Bono's got a boss. So, so don't think for a minute that just because you quit your job and you know you <laughs> you get to be the the premier CDI company in uh, Tallahassee for all of 1991, like it ain't over yet, guys. It ain't over by a long shot, right? And this is why I'm so impressed by people like Amy Mann. Why I'm so impressed by people like Jonathan Colton, like people who, and they might be giants, like people in that music industry who see selling plastic as one portion of what they do. But you know, another way that they might be giants, I think like stay successful is they do tons of stuff for kids. Like there's songs in like the Mickey Mouse club. There's songs on, I think maybe Phineas and Ferb and SpongeBob. They've got songs everywhere. So if the Johns are going to go to a town you know, if they chose to, they could do a show in the afternoon for kids and another show that night for grown-ups. And the kids' okay. one would, would be probably even more packed than the grown-up one. Yeah, and, and I, the nature of the shows they do is, you know, you could probably get away with bringing them to the, uh, to the adult show, too. But here's the point. Uh, what if, at, I think about them when they were doing Lincoln or Flood, like, they were doing pretty well. They were on a major, they were selling some records. But you know what they couldn't do? Do two shows a day in a town they went to. They uh, did not have the same, I don't think, they had the same authority over their own work that they did then. So at the risk of beating this to death, if They Might Be Giants decided in 1991 that this flood thing is going so great, let's double down on putting out more CDs. Let's go to a Beatles model of putting out three or four records a year. You know, that might have worked for a while. That might have been really sustainable for a while. But now in retrospect, can you imagine like 
how anus seizing it must be to think about if they'd made that decision that way, that safe decision. Instead, they were constantly thinking about how do we build the They Might Be Giants platform, right? That's, you know, I think I mentioned some advice I got from a guy I respect a lot who said, instead of thinking about like what your thing you're going to do is think about your platform. And so like, how do you become an entrepreneur for your platform? These sound like douchebag things, but here's the thing. If you're the entrepreneur of your life and you've decided that you're going to stay in this job, like what if that became a more transitive and muscular decision? And you said, goddamn right, I'm staying at this job. I'm going to stay at this job for this long, but I'm not going to close my eyes to either what I could be doing differently here or what I could potentially be doing somewhere else. I think if there's one simple, tiny takeaway to get from all of this is that you have very little to lose by deciding that you're in charge of all this stuff. You have very little to lose. Let's put it this way. If you have a lot to lose by telling people to grow up and have better meetings, I think I would think real hard about how much you love being in that company. If you have to think real hard about saying to somebody, the only way this video game is going to ship is if we ruin the lives of 35 people especially if nobody really thought out whether people are going to buy that video game. You know, there were probably times when things got tough at the CDI company that they asked people to work really late because at that point, the only way they're going to make any money is by increasing the volume of what they sell. Think about all these things, right? But at each step, if you look back at all of those things, think about all the times that you got tossed around like a cork on the ocean because you weren't the entrepreneur of your shit. Sorry. Uh, that's certainly not a bad move to think about right there. So you know what? If you're in your job and you hate it and you don't want 10 times more of that, it is still not going to harm you mm. to decide that you're there because you decided to be there. The way that you get your soul broken <laughs> is by deciding that you don't have a role in that anymore. Like if you think it's fine for Dan and Merlin, like that's totally fine. I totally get that. But what's fine for you, man? Like what's going to be okay for you? And at what point do you decide that whether, whether I'm going to sell CDIs or whether I'm going to sell books or whether I'm going to kick ass with buggy whips, like whatever I'm going to do, like that's going to be my deal. And I'm going to, this company serves at my pleasure. I'm going to be here for a long, as long as it works for both of us, but I'm not going to see them as some surrogate uncle who's being nice enough to take care of me by letting me sleep in the attic. I'm not sure that that's, that's a great future to see yourself part of, but if you were to start saying and I've said this to companies. I said, I've said to companies who are growing that the biggest problem that you're going to face it, it, as you grow, as you move beyond the startup part, is the fact that people just, it's not going to be as easy to communicate and people are not going to uniformly care about the company as much as they used to. And that the real challenge of going from being a startup to a medium-sized company in a lot of ways is to retain the sense of entrepreneurship that makes everybody there care about the product, regardless of how many shares of stock they have and whether somebody from Stanford got a parking space and they didn't. That is when things become more frayed. And that's when we have to simulate a lot of care and force ourselves to go that 50% with other people that we didn't before. It used to come naturally. So just to, to hopefully wrap this up, um, I'm going to let you have your part too, but just to like finish this little arc, okay? The slipping and sliding. Again, what if you decided that your meetings weren't going to be bad anymore, regardless, okay? What if you decided that you were going to be on time for things, that you were going to prep for things, that you were going to do the best job that you can, regardless of how slack everybody else was, that you were going to demand for yourself a certain sane environment to be in. Okay, maybe you can't do that at that job. Well, entrepreneur you needs to decide how long that's okay. If you don't want 20 more years of that, you could start by growing a pair today and asking yourself how long you want that decision to stick. Right? Now, I don't care what your answer is, but you better right? Let's go to the next stage. What if we get to the true cost part? What if you realize that the piece of crap that you and your 35 person team is working on is 
everybody knows that it's going to be junk. Everybody knows it's going to have defects. I used to work at a company that had a shrink wrap product that reformatted your C drive 20% of the time. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Believe me, you did not want to work the floor at that particular <laughs> oh, trade man. show that year. Yeah, that was a known defect that shipped. Yeah. And, you know, uh, pe- people in that particular vertical that we were working in didn't love computers to begin with and got super confused when the C drive was empty. Okay. Is that okay? How long is that okay? Mm. Do you want to work in the company where the meetings suck? Do you want to work in the company where 20% of the time you destroy someone's computer? Okay. Well, that's fine. That doesn't make you a bad person, but it does make you a person with authority over that, that you can still think of yourself as someone that chooses to, to be there. Um, and whether you want to go the Dan route or whether you want to go the Stu Mashwitz route, whether you want to go some Seth Godin route, those are all great. But in the quietest, simplest way that nobody even needs to know about, think about trying to take a teeny baby step every day toward deciding, yeah, what you want 10 times more of or 100 times more of. But also think about like what it would look like if you treated those like the decisions that they tacitly are. If your tacit decision is to stay there because you're scared and you don't want to get fired, like, how great is that going to make you feel for how long? And how long will it take before you check back in and go, is it time to move beyond plastic and paper inside of our media company? Is it time to take the sunk costs that we have in these CDI machines and be willing to look at what that next thing is going to be? Like, when is that next evolution of myself going to make sense? Or am I going to be somebody who spends all the time being a little bit scared and being okay with that because that helps me scan the horizon and it's something I can live with? And I'd rather be scared about the stuff I make mistakes about than the mistakes that are foisted upon me. Scared, scared, scared. Mm-hmm. 112, 112 minutes. Hmm, that's like half a Syracuse. I know. Not even. This is the point where John Syracuse would finally be finished with the, the follow-up. All right. Okay, two more pieces of follow-up. Oxford comma. <laughs> Two hours pass. Um, so we can close up that arc. So we can talk next week uh, more about fonts. Okay. What do you think about that entrepreneurship thing? It's, it's such a dumb word. It's such a dumb, abused a, word. I hate even using it. It's abused word. Hmm? It's abused. It really is. It really is abused. It's, uh, it's a shame that that has, that has come to mean... Um, you know, I don't think there's a certification program for entrepreneurs. I, I don't think you have to show that you have the slightest idea what that means. I think a lot of times when people say entrepreneur, uh, they mean somebody who's trying to start a business. I think a lot of times when they mean startup, they mean like business that, uh, <laughs> I haven't really done much with yet. I don't, I'm not sure having a WordPress blog is really a startup. I told you that story, right? The guy who wanted me to be on his podcast. He told me he had an audience of 20,000 entrepreneurs and startups. Is that me? No. I, I said, really? That seems like an awful lot of startups. He said, yeah, if you had one thing that you wanted to sell, 20,000 startups that are in our audience, what would you say? And I said, we need maybe five of you. Maybe. WordPress is free to install, though, you know. I guess GPL. Fear. Want to button this up? I think we, I think we ought to. I don't want to. Hmm. Let's do a two-hour AD. Okay. I got my guitar. Oh, great. Okay. I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man.